There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celtic Now and for our podcast. My name is Ryan Clifford. Join me this week is Ross Goodwin from Boys Analytics. Um, you'll get them on Twitter. Uh, Ross is very active on Twitter with his uh, work. Um, today's podcast, you'll just find out how Ross uh, does his work on Twitter. Um, and we'll obviously talk about Celtic and obviously the game, the game tonight against Bristol City. We'll get a wee preview of that as well. Um, obviously, Ross, I'm glad to have you on, mate. How's things? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to chatting about what I do on Twitter. I see there's a lot of things these days is Twitter, and it? it's just Celtic's Twitter daft at the moment. So it's it's that's a good thing to have you on. Some positive chat, it's no negative chat on Twitter, which is all it's really been recently. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, you're on by analytics on Twitter. Um, how did you actually start getting involved in it? Is it something you've always wanted to do personally, or is it just something you've thought because uh, was that a lockdown thing, or is it, is it something you've done for a long time? Yeah, I think uh, probably like a lot of people, maybe looking for a new hobby during lockdown, uh, something to kind of dig your teeth into, been playing just. I guess sitting playing the Xbox uh, day after day, you kind of looking to try and do something a wee bit more productive. Um, I'd been a fan of like the, the huddle breakdown. I've, mm. I've always been quite interested in data. Uh, my background for from my working life, I've got like a, a master's degree in electronic and electrical engineering. So throughout university, uh, I was quite uh, I was dealing with like large quantities of data and different uh, projects and things like that. So uh, I, I thought I had some kind of background. I knew how to work Excel quite well. Um, so uh, I'd been like, a few, one of my pals had actually said he was considering getting a Scout account. And oh, that's really? what, so yeah, one of my pals, Lewis, he, he'd actually picked up a Scout account. He does quite a, a lot of good writing for um, St. Mirren. Oh, um, so I'd picked up uh, the Scout trial and just started uh, making some graphs on Excel, things like that, putting out some stuff. I think the, the first tweet I ever put out was on uh, Mohamed Bayo, Claremont Foot, who went on to have an even better season in the second half of the season. So that was back in January when I started. And he ended up getting promoted into League One. So that was the first player I ever wrote about. I think the tweet was only uh, three. It was only the thread was only three tweets long. So I guess a lot different nowadays, where I'm much more used. I've got a much more implemented system to how I like go through find players, and actually how I write about them. Much more structured. Try and streamline it a lot more to get uh, more work out uh, a wee bit quicker. Uh, but no, yeah, definitely a lockdown thing. Uh, I think. It's given me quite a lot of, well, it's given me a lot of uh, fun times on Twitter. I was kind of a bit cautious coming onto Twitter 
especially as I'm, I'm sure you know it can be quite a volatile place at times. So that that was my one worry. But um, the Celtic community has been and the data community as well has been nothing but uh, pleasant to actually deal with and talk to. Because it's something that I'm quite interested in now is data and stuff. Because I've kind of stopped playing football now due to injury, so I'm looking at football in a different aspect, like data and coaching and. The last kind of wee while I've been the last season compared to kind of this season, obviously it's just started, but I looked at the way how we went for Rogers to, to Lennon and the way we were pressing teams. And mm-hmm. I, I realised how the setup was. Rogers, it was it was very rigid, it was four, four, two or four, three, whatever it was, and it was every player knew where to go. As soon as you lost the ball, they were back in. But I noticed on New Lennon, players were other camp. So there was no shape and you kinda of knew that if there's no shape on the park all the time then obviously something's going wrong and obviously you know yourself by doing data and everything else you'll re- realise that more often by obviously looking at games and obviously stats tell a big thing these days Yeah I think when Rogers left um, I thought well that's good We've, like, I, I wasn't too fussed when Rogers left you, you've had a guy and he's done a great job I know a lot of Celtic fans there's harsh words and whatever <laughs> but he did, he did do a good job I'm not going to say he did a bad job and he developed a lot of players to a higher level like players like James Forrest, there's fans that there's some fans that still don't like James Forrest, and but he's contributing 20 goals or assists every season for five straight seasons. I mean, outside last season when he had the bad injury, but that that was a ridiculous amount of development mm. Rogers managed to do for him. So I was expecting Celtic to go out and bring in a manager, maybe not at, at Rogers' level because he came in maybe off the back of actually needing to rebuild his mm. career, but of the same kind of structure of what they wanted, but. They went back to Neil Lennon, which at the time I was I was pretty distraught about. Mainly, I think especially the 10 game, I think he had 10, 12 games in and we were averaging under a goal a game mm-hmm. and he got the job after the cup final and we didn't play well in the cup final either. We are lucky to take the cup off a really poor heart side. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think there was any evidence to suggest anything it was great. But then we go on and we win the treble and uh, a lot of people were like, shut up, but... Uh, but I still think there was a lot of structural issues there. I think relying on things like Dubai and saying, oh, that's where things changed, mm-hmm. when realistically all you had to do was look at the Rangers team and see what changed there. And it was Barisic and Tavernier both got injured and their win rate dropped by like 30 to 40% because they had no creativity anymore. But this season, not, not, they barely suffered any injuries and we suffered a huge amount of injuries. And then you got the tables turned on. Is that That's the kind of thing that could be avoided with better long-term planning. I'm happy that we went back to a manager like Ange Postacoglu. Looks like a, a, a manager that has an idea of what he wants to do and has an idea of how he wants to play football. He's gonna, He knows exactly where he wants players to be in the park. You did always feel with Lennon, it was more like we're winning games mm-hmm. because it is better players rather than this system. Yeah. I think this, the, the thing, did Lennon make Celtic better than the sum of their parts? And I'd always say no mm-hmm. when Rodgers did. That's why we were qualifying for the Champions League. And I feel like when he was here, it would have been investing in the infrastructure behind him and letting him leave an infrastructure behind to just plant a new manager in. But we never did that. It was all, we're all singular manager. Mm-hmm. The, the club was based around a manager than around a structure. And Rangers in the background started building around a structure rather than a manager. And now we're years behind where mm-hmm. they are now. And we're going to have to start building up to that over the next couple of years. Because for me, it was, well, Lennon, it was, I couldn't believe we won basically the treble, I mean, was a treble treble and other than that he gets a job and everybody was just deflated. Yeah, we mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that he got the job and and now when I look back at the games when he first kinda of got the job and then a 
eventually got it full time. As you say, the football was not really, the football was quite boring. Um, as you say, there's not really a lot of goals, not a lot of chances getting made. It was stuffy, and the games against like Dundee, the last game of the, uh, the last goal, uh, or the last few minutes of the game, and just things like that. And that was getting more and more often. Um, for me, even last season, we tend to start games okay, but then we just fade away. And for me, I thought fitness was a big thing last season. Um, I don't think it's about the past week you thought as well, Ross. But for me, I thought after 60 minutes, 65 minutes, we were dying. Um, and he wasn't making changes. He was making changes at the wrong time. And again, I don't know if maybe that's something you know. Is that maybe something that maybe data takes over these days? Is it sports science deals with that now? And is it all different now to also what it was back, back in a few years ago, basically? So, so like a lot, a lot of these things that clubs set up, like your sports science department, your data departments, they, I, 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 I can't speak for Celtic, but I would assume the, these people are qualified for their jobs. But it's up to management to use them. So when you're not the top player, you're not making decisions. Like you can say, yeah, I'd imagine the data department didn't recommend Duffy, but he was brought to Celtic, and yeah. people knew who he was. He was a Premier League player, and they were shown maybe to Neil Lennon. He went. Oh yeah, that's the kind of centre back I'd like. Old fashioned defender. I think a lot was made of Julian playing poorly against Livingston once, and the, it's kind of rumoured that this is where the whole Shane Duffy thing originated from. Julian was the best centre back in the that quite, season. Actually, quite great Julian. To be fair, I think he's a decent defender. Yeah, I, I, I've never understood. I mean, he had one bad game against mm-hmm. Dykes. Yeah, his duel rate went down to, I think his average is generally about 70, 75%. That season it dropped down to 20%. But one bad game does not define no. a player at all. And if you're judging players off one game, you shouldn't really be <laughs> doing that kind of job to begin with. So we ended up with a kind of fractured uh, scouting system. But you could tell that the analytics department is there. David Turnbull was brought in, and that was mm-hmm. after a full season out, inju- out injured. Like, that's a player we should have been going for, and we signed yeah. him. And, we're going to see the, the fruits of that kind of um, scouting this season and the season, the seasons after. And I, I'd imagine when we sell him for a hefty fee down to the Premier League, uh, when he makes that transition as well. So, yeah, the, the fitness issues. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of. I, I'm not too sure where you rank like Neil Lennon, John Kennedy, I, I, like, and how much they actually made a difference in the fitness. Mm-hmm. I think um, Juko had actually just um, shown that Rangers had taken in a new kind of. I think it was on the medical side of thing, um, to treat the minor muscle injuries. So Rangers had a, uh, I think they had like something like thirty percent less injury time for okay. main players off the pitch, which I thought was quite interesting. But Celtic shows they were also like Celtic trialed them as well and didn't take that in. So these are things like a lot of football is made up by just the ability of the players. But see if you can get a small edge ahead somewhere else, you should be trying to do that as much as possible. And it felt like Celtic weren't trying to do that because they were stuck in their ways. No, I agree that I. Also, I don't know if you played football yourself, Ross, but when I played football, I'd, I had any advantage I could take to make me play better. If it was boots, mm-hmm. if it was shin guards, bananas, anything, if it was entity of muscle injuries, massages, whatever it was to make me better, then I would do it. So I like to think, obviously, that Celtic don't take maybe stuff like that up. Then, again, it's maybe mismanagement that we've had for a wee while, that we things like that. If it's going to give a guy 5% mm-hmm. more chance of playing for that Saturday, then we should do it. Yeah, and I think you can already, I mean, Don McKay, maybe a lot of fans are upset with the, the transfers and that, I think rightfully so. I think regardless of the new manager coming in, there should have been a list of players you, regardless of the system you're going in, that you could go to and go, we can get these guys in, they're going to fit your system because we have a good range of mm-hmm. players that we, we've been scouting. But obviously that's taken a wee bit longer and we're probably going to see transfers in the next day or two. I think, I think that's uh, pretty clear. Um 
But Don McKay, it seems like he's put out quite a lot of different job profiles, uh, as we've seen first uh, yeah. recruitment analysts. So we're, we're seeing the first, the wheels are starting to turn, the jobs are go, going out. I think one of the ones he wanted someone with a, a, a one of the recruitment jobs was a STEM degree. So he's looking for someone maybe experienced programming languages mm-hmm. to make better visuals or have like a different angle to actually look at football at rather than just your uh, normal sports coaching master's degrees and things like that. So I think, I think there are steps forward being made by Don McKay. Uh, I'm not hugely pleased with the transfer dealing so far. I think, I think no matter what, a right back should have been in the 1st of July, but it looks like we might get one or two in the next couple of days just due to only having Anthony Ralston, which is that, that, that's an absolute disaster to be going into Champions League qualifiers in a state like that. I think the rest of the team, you could make up a normal starting 11, especially if you don't sell Iron Edward. But um, yeah, happy to see the first steps, it looks like, are starting to get taken. But it's going to be a long process over the next couple of years, I think, to uh, build the structure up around Ange. Because I think, obviously, you spoke about Ralston. As I say, I've said on, on this podcast before, I would never go through a guy because he's a professional football player, it's his job and whatever else. But he's not, for my opinion, just my opinion, he's not going to play with Celtic weekly. He shouldn't be on the bench. He could target a game for St. Johnston, Dundee United. So what makes him get a new deal with Celtic? Is it because they panicked and thought, if they can't get an already back, he'll need a day? Is that the way? That's the way it seems to me anyway. So I think they had an issue that they, I think Ange realised very quickly they weren't going to get a right back in. But you still need to go to training and have a right back to do simulations of games and game types. You can't even just have one. You need multiple. So I'm assuming one of the um, youth players was playing, was brought up as a right back to play in the other team or the shadow teams for um, working on pressing structures. uh, structures. So that's the thing. So when when I under the interior there, well, it's because when you do shadow games at practice, at training, you need a left back mm-hmm. you need a left wing back on the other side that's used to playing that position because they'll be playing Tierney at the left centre back and Robertson at the left wing back. So you do need to have these players in the squad mm-hmm. to actually work with the rest of the squad. So I think that might have been partly to do with it. I think the other worry is maybe he's going to be a second or third choice. But you've also got Leo Connor there who's much more comfortable in the ball than Ralston. Um Ralston is a good athlete. That's something he's always had going for him, but it's always just been the technical side of the mm-hmm. game that's never really progressed in the same way that the Celtic probably wanted it to. So I imagine this one-year contract was brought out of this teams and the squads in quite a bad way. We need mm-hmm. players in to actually work with the rest of the squad. And if we get really bad injuries next season, we can't be stuck with no one for right back. And that's especially taking the risk on that you don't get the transfers in that you wanted. And it may also indicate that they're not willing to go down the loan route as well. Um, I don't mind loans, but I think it's got to be a loan where, like maybe Elanusi was maybe a guy who was going to buy, but we get him on loan, which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. But having two or three, four loan players for me, I, obviously the loan guys are still coming to prove a point, but they, for me, did they, did they really care as much as maybe like your Cameron Gregors who are already there? Is it mm-hmm. something bigger than... Because let's be honest, Cameron Gregor is now he's probably selling daft because obviously he might be a captain this year. The looks at he's been here for so long, he's experienced the highs and the lows. For him, he he'll know what it means. But for a loan player to come in, it's all right to tell him this. But if they don't understand, then they don't hate to play football and game again in the next year. So loan players, mm-hmm. I don't mind. But I think having too many loan players disrupts the team. That's just my opinion. I think maybe 
the odd lone player to cover a position, maybe like if it's a, as you said, left back, maybe a right back. But I think certain positions like centre backs who are obviously crying out for. Um, there's talk of the guys Starfield and other guys can win. They've got to be bought in my opinion. I know Shane Duffy was like you say, he says, maybe mm-hmm. a panic buy just just to get him in because of who he was. And but I think now, I yeah. think about four and a half million when he in for this guy for Ruben Kazan. So for me, it's, that's a bit of a bit of an intent. But again, what I keep saying as well, if they're going to sell higher, they're not spending the money again. It's money they're getting back in. It's no money that's been pumped out for, uh, for Desmond mm-hmm. or it's money that they're always selling. So I think that's maybe one reason why fans as well get the hump because they're like, well, you're not actually spending money. It's money you're recruiting every season. But see if that's the way mm-hmm. we need to go down and it's working, then we just need to keep doing it because that's, we all know now that we are a selling club and I think some fans don't realise that we are a selling club and it's a business and if Celtic sign a play for £10 million, but we need to sell for another £10 million in the future. That's the way football's got to go now. Like for Edward, £9 million. You can't sell for £12 million because that's just total mismanagement again. Um, for me, I always say yeah, yeah. we've got to sell players as much as you don't want to sell your best players. I'd rather sell Edward for £25 million each peak and maybe lose him for a season than sell him for £5 million each other. I just, you've, I think some people, fans need to really, they need to kind of balance it out and go right. Would you better have twenty million pound in your bank or have five million in the players away? It's it's hard to judge, and I know some fans like to back and decide what the, the balance is, but it's very hard to it's hard to criticise the board when it comes to money and term players because the thing with Ayer for me is a big thing now. Um, I know he might promise stuff and whatever else, but he's still under contract. Whatever the club need to do, the club need to do, and if a club want twenty million pound, whatever it was, then he's got to sit and wait because we've you know yourself we've pandered a lot to down south I could just take 10 million pound take 7 and I think the board are right to stand firm and say no if we want we want 20 geese 20 yeah I'm glad you say that because I think I'm one of the few people that would agree with that um, based on what I've seen online uh, people saying oh happy with 7 million oh I can't believe we're rejecting 12 million so see see if, see this the club Celtic will know how many teams are interested because mm-hmm. they'll made contact and they'll know how many teams have made actual bids. So see if a club knows more than one team has made a bid, you've then got a, a real good chance to really start upping the value quite a bit to see who's going to bite first and take that. So they're they're all. I mean, I think before I came on, there was even talks of Brentford already up in their bid. Mm, Brentford very Brentford very data run club will know Ayers not going to have to deal with any of the Brexit work permit issues. He's going to come right into the team and be a star because he's already played at that, a similar level. But So why, why shouldn't Celtic try and squeeze three or four extra million? Three or four extra million doesn't sound like a lot. Three or four million is a starting player for Celtic. Starfelt's going to cost four million euros or four and a half million euros, which is that difference. So it's a huge difference for Celtic, that extra three or four million. Ayer's promise was to get sold this summer. That for me, that's still on. Like we're, we're, we're two, three weeks into the proper I transfer window. I think, I think he will get sold. I think he will. Yeah. Oh no, I think he will get sold. But I don't see any reason to well go right away and sell. Like we could have sold for ten million right away, and then mm-hmm. suddenly there was another bid for twelve million a week later after saying, "Oh, that's it. No one's going to buy him now." And then and now again, fifteen. Yeah. So th- this is the thing. You don't. If you see if you're working smart, you get the most money for your asset mm-hmm. instead of selling right away. So I think. If Ayer eventually goes for 15 million or even more than that, I would say that's really good business by the club. And we've held out and got the extra money because that money can actually be invested mm-hmm. in players like Starfelt. 
So I'm I'm pretty happy the club has actually stood their ground on this. I know it's not the most popular opinion because people want the money in to spend, but we don't know the structure of deals. Mm-hmm. Twelve million, twelve million could be five million up front and seven million spread over three or four years. Club might not want that. Club might want more mm-hmm. capital in to spend elsewhere. So it, it really is hard to always judge these kind of transfers because you'd never know the structure of deals, which I think I think another thing when we go back to the loans, I think starting to utilise loans better with loans mm-hmm. with options to buy yeah. is the thing I want to see the club using a bit more. To see when you've got an option to buy, that means the player wants to come and play well to earn that transfer. Mm-hmm. I think it's something Rangers have used to good effect over the past two seasons. Hadji came in, they signed him. So uh, Zungu was also brought in for the loan. He wasn't good enough. They sent him back. They weren't committed to these players. So I think that's something I'd like to see Celtic start to use a lot more in the future. There was talks of a jetty coming in with a, a purchase with an option to buy, a loan with an option to buy and West Ham didn't go for that. So maybe it's something you can maybe flex over European leagues more than the Premier League who don't have to bite um, for that kind of deal to try and sell their players. So I think it, there's there's definitely more options Celtic need to start using in the transfer market and being a bit more savvy um, to mm-hmm. get their way. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful Don McKay starts using and whoever's actually operating the transfer uh, structure, buy and sell, and starts using more innovative tactics to try and get players in. Because obviously, I know... Like you just said at Brentford, um, I know they're quite hanging with data and most of their transfers are all obviously data analysis and whatever else. And I think that's getting more and more now with a lot of clubs. And again, I don't know if Celtic do that personally. I don't know if that's something we Celtic or they just do proper scouting. I really don't know. Um, but I think I've spoken to as well on the podcast. Um, William, who's a former agent, even he says that. He says he does a lot of data now and he looks at data and he says, Ryan, data is becoming a big thing now. He says, Eventually, you might even need scouts because the data will tell you everything. Um, and I don't know if Celtic ever bring that in, but I'm I'm mid old school. If I like a player and I see him play well, I just take it face value. He's a good player. Um, but mm. I think nowadays, data is like, like you said with James Forrest, right? So many of you over the last maybe two or three years, I've kind of came to the fact that Forrest is a good player, very good mm. player. I used to be very, very critical him defensively. I didn't think he'd done enough. But forward, I can't knock him. But I thought defensively, mm-hmm. down enough. But more under Rodgers, he was defending better. And I knew I can't accept as a guy. I knew the guy's been at Celtic for so many years. He's won so many trophies. He's scored so many good, important goals. So my argument's out the water. So I totally agree that obviously stats and data does back these things up these days. Yeah, I think <clears throat> Forrest's contribution to Celtic has been phenomenal. I think arguably maybe outside Brown, you see financially what financial wise, Forrest's probably been the most valuable player at Celtic. He scored two goals that have taken us directly, I think, just about into the Champions League. Uh he scored the, the only goal in in the two legged tie against Rosenberg one of the years and he scored the winner against Shakhtar Karagandi, which was an instant 30, 40 million in the pocket of Celtic. So you you'll find very few players that have had such a financial impact on the club than James Forrest, as well as just being continuously at the club and available. Uh, availability is something that's not really talked about but players that are just always fit and always I know he was injured last season but for four straight seasons he was basically never injured so he was always available which is why he's he's got such a high level of consistent performance over that time so yeah I was, I'm was i very happy James Forrest is going to be back in the team I don't know if he'll be back tonight or if he's quarantined over but I think he's going to be a very important player over the next season especially this is maybe the last peak year we're going to actually get of him as wingers tend to start um, degrading a bit as soon as they turn 30 which is a bit unfortunate but we might see his role um, change a bit as he ages and he loses maybe that yard of pace because uh, he's still quite a good technical player mm-hmm. on the ball, especially if he's passing. Um, so it could be turned into maybe a different uh, position, a secondary striker 
it might even be in his future as well. And obviously we're talking about obviously like doing your research stuff. How is it you actually come up with your research? Is it your own do you look at a lot of kind of videos and your own data and kind of look at other things or is it just basically through different websites or did you actually put a lot on it yourself? Yeah, so I, I subscribed to Wisecout, which is uh, a bronze level account. So that's about 300 quid for the year. So I just bought that straight mm-hmm. up. So it was a bit pricey at the time, cut back for the month <laughs> to try, try and get it in, start producing my own stuff. So they collect lots of data like across most leagues around the world, uh, including Scotland and Celtic and all that. So when I'm scouting players, they have an advanced search filter where you can look at um, specific metrics, crossing accuracy, how much player dribbles. So I'm, I, I, I've been trying to kind of change up what I do for different players. So I looked at Scotland and I went, what makes up a good fullback here? So a fullback in Scotland is maybe different from a fullback requirement in other leagues yeah. where they need to be more defensive. Whereas a fullback for Celtic needs to actually have creative output, need to provide a lot of assists, need to have a lot of crosses and be very direct and running wide, in my opinion. Um, so I looked at Rangers, what, what, what makes their fullback successful is their creativity. They're both actually set piece takers. So I, I took um, the metrics that. So I started looking for fullbacks that actually took set pieces in other leagues. So one player that um, brought me on was Kenneth Powell, mm-hmm. who's actually who was linked quite recently with Celtic. He was he used to be a central midfielder, and then uh, as he came up through and he was developed, he moved into the fullback position. So he takes quite a lot of set pieces as well. Very high passing accuracy from his uh, time playing as a central midfielder. Uh, quite a lot of cre- uh, strong creative metrics as well. So that was one one of the kind of more unique ways I was kind of looking at players. I think also profiling players uh, that have been successful at Celtic and trying to match them up with other players at other clubs that are in their financial range. So Frimpong, uh, high amount of dribbles. So a dribble in Scout is actually beat, uh, taking the ball and actually beating the man. So looking for players with um, uh, high quantity of dribbles that are actually providing creatively for their team. So that led me to find um, Gabriel uh, Goodmanson who was playing for uh, Groningen and uh, Eredivisie in the Netherlands. He is a lot taller than Frimpong, so he was providing actual some aerial, um, defensive aerial ability as well. He was much bigger than Frimpong, so he had a better defensive duel rate. He was also dribbling more than Frimpong, so he beating the man more in the game. So I actually thought that's... <laughs> I, thought that I found that player well, not even that hard. That took me probably an hour filtering down, getting lists down to where I want them and finding players that I think would actually be in Celtic's financial range. Well, so most um, of the players you're scouting are in when about the market that we should be kind of looking into? Yeah, so on Wisecout, and, uh, they have a filter for transfer market value. Transfer market value is not greatly accurate, but if you take it down under 10 million, you're probably not not going to find... Hmm. You're not you're not going to have Ronaldo's turning up in your filter search list or things like that. They just kind of ruin it, especially when you're trying to make like graphics and radars. You can have... Um, data metrics that are way outside probably what you actually need them to be. Um, so Frimpong's pro- uh, even across European football is an outlier in dribbling. Ayer's an outlier in ball progression mm-hmm. as well across Europe. So, so players like this, you're not essentially needing the outlier. You're wanting players close enough to the outlier that you can maybe develop, especially in a league coming to a dominant side. But yeah, so but yeah, to really take out talent that we couldn't get, it's really just bring down the transfer market value is the easiest way to do it. I feel. You take away uh, players that are worth eight, nine, ten million because lightly enough, we're not going to be able to afford that already. And I also bring it up to maybe three, four hundred k to really cut out quite a lot of the the smaller teams as well. So you've kind of got quite a nice bracket. And if you're doing it well enough, you should maybe get down to three, four, five hundred players, and then you can start scrolling through, having a look, see if anything catches your eye immediately. Uh, Wisecout is quite good; just a simple click on the player, you can bring up a 
kind of radar wheel and you'll get maybe a, a, a good version of like, are they good at dribbling? Are they good at passing? And then if you find players you like, go and have a further look, have a look at their data more and then add them to your list. And then that list, you'll go back and you'll start doing video analysis on them. Because, so in, in my opinion, so there's three levels of scouting. That's Moneyball, technology, and traditional. Moneyball's all data, no watching. Technology is your video analysis. Traditional is watching players. So my process is you want to go from Moneyball um, to, te- uh, to technology. And that's kind of where my process ends because I can't go watch players. But uh, that's how I feel like a club should be operating. It should be a process down the ladder until you start identifying players. And by the time you get traditional, it should maybe only be five or six different players you're wanting to watch um, after you've went through your video analysis. So that, 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 that'd be my kind of process. Because I've actually, there's a few guys you've put up on Twitter before, then like a few weeks later, they've been linked and stuff as well. So well, obviously what you're doing is, is spot on because a few guys, as you say, that guy, uh, Paul was linked and other guy, I'm sure, I don't know if it was you or somebody else that mentioned Starfield recently, was it you yourself? Uh, I've done a report on Starfield. Um, I'm sure I've seen that. Um, so obviously what you're doing is, you obviously know what you're doing when it comes to that and obviously players who we have recently been linked with, they're kind of getting involved with what you're doing. So it's obviously something that yeah, you're, you're doing very well, makes I'm interested in knowing about how how data comes about and how players get picked in data. And it's just, I, I think it's going to absolutely transform the football mm-hmm. world now. Um, I think, as you said about the, just walking up to a game and watching it, I think that's getting very rare now. They might watch them a game or two, but I think most of the time, as you say, it's either video analysis or it's through data. Um and also talk about your wee videos. I seen one of the the Ange Ball on your Twitter. Um, anybody who anybody who's uh, Ross on Twitter, but the boys and the rest, you'll see it on Twitter. It's actually quite a wee inventive thing. And again, how what is your feelings on obviously Ange and what do you personally expect the team to be under this season? So when Ange was like uh, announced or when he became like the bookies' favourite, and it was pretty clear he was going to be in charge. I went about starting from scratch and trying to figure out who he was, what his tactics was, what his history was. So I spent 20 or 30 hours um, making up up uh, my opinions and different videos. I made two giant um, giant threads about him on Twitter, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure quite a few people have seen by now, on what I actually thought he would do at Celtic. And I was very impressed with what I've seen, what he was doing in Japan. What he was doing in Japan wasn't like normal to the J-League. It was very much he wanted his teams to press. And teams in Japan aren't like, um, very heavy into their pressing and counter pressing, just and I think that's more down to maybe the heat just, in the country. I do. I've seen obviously because I'm doing this as well. I've looked into him a lot. But do you feel has it's more a European style? But he's put into them. And yeah, he's I th- back over to there. Yeah, so that's the that, thing. I, I I completely agree with that. His high press and high intensity game isn't normally seen in the J League. I could see that being for a number of factors. It's just. It's a very warm country. Playing that kind of intensity of football is very difficult. He had to rotate his team a lot over there. He was basically playing a different eleven every, uh, going between games and play, especially in the intense fixture period with COVID. Um, so yeah, he is playing a much more Europe, much more uh, European-based football. So maybe something you might be more familiar with, like at Barnsley, um, over the past season, who went with basically mm-hmm. barely no money and nearly got into the Premier League. Um, playing this high press and high intensity football, trying to win the ball back high up the pitch, create these high transitions and get high quality chances in the bo- in the central areas in the box um, when teams are panicking and trying to um, reset. As you said about Barnsley, I actually watched an interview with a manager all day in Sky Sports and I think, the, I think he's very impressive. I think down there, they're very impressed, as you said, about the high press and the style of play. It. And as he says, it just proves that 
money is and everything. If you've got the right manager and the right philosophy, the right backroom staff and the players are buying into it, you don't mm-hmm. need to spend £25 million to get to where you want. And that's why I'm kind of... I'm, obviously, we all want transfers to happen right away and they should mm-hmm. be in. Some players should be in by, by now. But again, the way we've been going the last few years, that's just the best Celtic have been. Um, but I think I wrote on Twitter the day, as much as we want stuff in very, very early and quick, last season they might have bought four or five players and we all thought we were quality players, but it didn't work. So I'd rather this time four or five players had a space a few weeks they go to spot on because let's be honest, we know what this season means when it comes to the end of the season. We need to win the league to, for the group stages. We need to win it. It's an absolute must. So I'd rather we get it right than we got it wrong last season because um, as you, as was just says, last season was just everything went wrong and especially when it comes to the transfer policy. Yeah, last season's transfer policy was a bit bewildering. Like, I, I, I don't mind Barca's been kept on this season as a first choice. I don't think it's a very good use of financial resources to spend a, a first team player on a goalkeeper. Goalkeepers are, you, you can go to the Premier League and get a, goal, a good goalkeeper for that's second choice that could have been first choice here. Look at the Danny Ward's yeah. um, place for Wales. He's sitting on the bench all season. Like, there, there's a ridiculous amount of talented goalkeepers doing nothing. Like even if if you were going to bring in a loan signing, goalkeeper's probably the easiest position to mm-hmm. do it for. Um, so we spent five million pound on a goalkeeper. With that, we could have spent five million pound a right a right back to replace Frimpong if we knew he wanted to leave. Um, could have spent another five million pound and replace trying to help replace Scott Brown. Um, because he we, we should have known he was coming. We decided to play him just about every single week when his performances were deteriorating Fazio, so rapid, yeah. rapidly. It was it, it got to the point where it was just laughable by the end of it. Like everyone loves Scott Brown and what he did for the club, but by the very end, it was, I, I didn't. It was just bewildering to watch. It, I assume the data department had just been shut out, mm-hmm. and they were just trying to get to the end of the season. Um, so we we do need to start using data a lot more effectively. We need to start even just things like rotating players more effectively. We ended up a bunch of players were basically playing all the time, and then we were rotating one or two positions all the time. Like we changed Laxalt and Taylor around and. You're you're going to get not too different in effect. It's not mm-hmm. the most important position uh, on the pitch uh, for me. Um, you need your fullbacks to be creating. Taylor created more than Lax out there, or Taylor should have been ahead of Lax out. Um, because we need goal, <laughs> we needed to get in the final third and actually start creating goals. Um, so it was a bit wild when Lax out kept getting picked over him, but Lax out maybe a lot of energy and getting mm-hmm. into a lot of defensive duels, but he couldn't cross the ball. We created. I don't think he even got one assist while he was here, which is kind of crazy even I think I went back and had a look at a previous show but even Jeremy Toljan got an assist and he had a he had a he had a crossing accuracy of six percent which is the worst I've ever seen <laughs> I've not actually seen one lower than that he was he was dreadful <laughs> um so I'd, I'd, even just signing players like Laxel who's suggesting him he was on loan from AC Milan did we just say oh Milan player sign him like he I'd looked at his historic data he'd never actually been creative at any point in his career He'd been very much used as a defensive volume mm-hmm. for defensive volumes, a lot of high actions in, the, in their own third. So why would he come to a highly dominant team and create? It didn't make any sense. It didn't look at like there, the, any list it went through where we went, oh, this is the profile we actually need. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was just bizarre. A lot of last season was just bizarre. A lot of decisions making no sense uh, just consistently. But um, we're on to a new season. The first two preseason games we've seen... Uh, some sights of what Ange wants to do, and hopefully the players can like get get to grips with the the intensity and pressure he's going to want to put on teams. Um, 
uh, before the start of the season, which is only the 31st of July, nearly just over two weeks away now. So as you say, about the pre-season game, is I've noticed a difference there, maybe like, you can definitely see there's a, the press has come back into what we've kind of seen under Rodgers when he first came in, it's the same type, to me, it's not the same style of play, but you can see glimpses it again and for me, I just love seeing that type of football, all this tippy-tappy stuff, I don't like it, I just want to get the ball forward and I like the way Angie's coming across, he's approaching, basically saying if he scores five, he'll score six. And I like that approach. I know you want clean sheets and whatever else, but see as long as you want to give my football, that's really all I care about. Um, and I do agree with you said about obviously the pre-season, but I yet we spoke before we came on that it looks a lot leaner. Um, mm-hmm. Rogic looks a lot leaner. These guys look a lot leaner and fitter. And again, that's no coincidence that Neil is not here, that the, that some of the backroom staff are away and because obviously something wasn't right for they two to look maybe a stone overweight and now obviously they had a good summer now. I've trained mm-hmm. hard and I've come back and now they're much sharper and much quicker. So it just shows you that maybe the, maybe the manager was a big thing last season and players were like, I can't bother you, I can't bother. But again, mm-hmm. that's when you need to be still a professional, you still need to keep fit, you still need to keep active and whatever else. But um, you see pre-season again is coming tonight actually, Bristol City. Um, do you think we'll get a bit more changes or do you think a more established lineup will start to come in? I think at this point with Mitchell and six days away, this will be an established lineup. We're probably not going to see a full 11 change at the 45 minute mark, probably at the 60 minute mark tonight. Uh, we're wanting going to get more minutes in the legs of the players that are going to be starting the game. It's probably going to be quite a good insight to who's going to start the Mitchell game. Um, if the Jetty starts up front tonight, I highly expect mm-hmm. he's going to be starting the Mitchell game. Um, I don't know if he might try Edward out wide um, because I think it's only on that left-hand side, it's only really Mickey Johnson that's there and uh, Edward's still a much stronger player than what Mickey Johnson provides. So I would, if you're going to keep Edward for these qualifiers and still have a jetty there, I think having him on the left wing where he can cut inside and try and beat the man is um, a good option as well. He's also a naturally fit player, so he's quite, he's going to be quite good at the press. Um these pre-season games have been quite insightful. All three goals against Sheffield Wednesday came from counter-pressing or pressing high up in the final third. Um, so I'd expect to see more of that tonight against uh, Bristol. Um, I think we're also, I think we're playing at their stadium as well. So it'll be the first time back, uh, maybe even in front, uh, probably in front of fans as well. Um, so it'll be good to actually see us put a team that's, uh, this will be a bit of a higher, higher level game. They're much better than Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton playing in probably mid-table in the championship. But we need to, I think putting in a performance, which the players are playing now to play in these Champions mm-hmm. League games, so you'll be looking to see some kind of impetus, uh, impetus from them to try and go out and pressure the opposition, uh, put a few goals past them, and uh, keep a clean sheet as well. Try and get um, a lot, get get the positivity uh, going, get a good feel around the dressing room. I think, uh, as you said, maybe there was something wrong last season with Neil Lennon, but I think this season, Ange, he's raised the standards mm-hmm. immediately. I think, I think we probably both watched the mic top session. I think he commands. Yeah. I think he actually just commands respect. So he kind of has that aura around him where players are going to listen to him. He's very direct with players. Um, you didn't really see that Neil Lennon. You didn't see any much of what he was doing in training mm-hmm. sessions last year. So I think it's quite um, apparent that they've went to push that out right away. But I, I think the players must respect him because he just has that aura off him. No, I, I believe <laughs> I believe that as well, mate. Um, I just think, obviously, he's a big guy, but I think he's just authoritative. You can... He does, I think he does command the respect. And obviously, guys like Rogic, he'll know him, so he'll obviously mm-hmm. know about him and he'll know how it works and be able to understand again. I, I still think he's a big player for us. Um, 
again last season he had three flashes, but again I've kind of ruled out Mace Polish for last season because as I've said in this podcast before, that one or two players playing bad are what you can you can handle. But when most of your eleven don't play well, then there's something underlying and mm-hmm. I hope that's it or change now, but it looks like it has because there've been considering only two or three games and it's been quite it's been quite high, uh, high intensity and quite upbeat. So, um, again, obviously, there's the last wee bit about to speak about is obviously guys like Christy. Will he go in the champs? He's going to stay. I still think the champs absolutely superb, but he's maybe one out of ten. But maybe no going to Marseille and maybe thinking the grass is greener. Maybe it's going to kick him up the ass and he might go, do you know what? I need to perform here because I generally think he could be in three or four years' time. He could be doing playing with Bantai or something. He could be doing playing junior football, I think, because that's his attitude. I think he is a, an absolute amazing player, but I think it could be an awful for Grace where he's gone through there and then he just goes down and he's never seen again. And I hope no, because I do think the guy's really, really good and I think he will fit into Angie's system. Obviously, they've got Tumble and Sorrow, so he's got a lot of options in that midfield to play the way he wants to play. I think in Cham's going to be one of the most interesting ones this season. A lot of I've, I've got a good chunk of the fan base has written him off. But uh, even if you compare his data with like um, David Turnbull's data last season, it's not actually that dissimilar. So, which I thought was quite interesting. He actually started quite a lot of the games near the start of the season when we actually won most of our games as well. Um, he does seem to kind of have this kind of attitude problem that people maybe perceive. I think he actually just gets more. Frust- I think it's more he gets frustrated with himself when he makes mistakes, and when he makes mistakes, mistakes get more mistakes, and it gets worse in the performance tracks. But he has had great performances in a Celtic shirt. Um, I think his best was probably the 2-0 game at Ibrooks. He was mm-hmm. my, my, my man at so the match that game. His his range of passing is very strong. I think he's really he struggled under Lennon. I think a lot of players struggled under Lennon because there wasn't clear instruction. Mm-hmm. Players coming up through youth academies are given very clear instructions where you are on the pitch, where other players are going to be. And Cham has a great range of passing, which is his main, probably his elite level quality and the one you really want to try and see develop. So it wouldn't surprise me if he came back this season firing and Celtic were trying to offer him a contract come December. Um, then again, And he's also, I think he was, hopefully he gets a lot fitter as well and he can actually do it. But I think one of his main issues was he never really had a defined position in the team. He's he always played, moved about, wouldn't he? He played 6, 8 and 10 and even as a second striker at times. That is not good for a player, especially in your, your 21 to 24 mm-hmm. in your main development period and trying to produce an elite level player. Um, it looks like Ange has pretty much identified that he is supposed to, he should be playing a bit deeper because he's got a lot better range of passing. See if you're further back in the pitch and you've got a better range of passing, you can find more players going forward because there's more space for you and you can and you've maybe got a better range for finding players. So I think Ange has already identified that. He came on and he actually replaced Sorrow. I think playing near near the base of the the midfield um, when he played, which is very promising. It shows that Ange is able to identify that very quickly and identify where Incham is actually going to be most useful. So if, even if he's starting as a bench player, injuries could force a champ into that starting lineup, And I think he's one that could change a lot of people's minds this season. So I, ho- I, I really hope for the best for him. Because he had a really good, he had a decent two seasons when he started off. And then obviously that last season, he was maybe maybe a scapegoat, especially when the whole mm-hmm. team was kind of crumbling as well. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he maybe picks up this season. Um, Ryan Christie, um, I think with six, six months left in his deal, he's not signing. Mm-hmm. I think he's off. I'm not, I'm not too fussed about looking at Ryan Christie too much more. I think um he's a very good player and I think he did some he's done some he's had some great moments at Celtic, cup final goals, one cup um that won cups and things like that. 
but with six months left in your mm. deal for me, I don't know how much more I'm supposed to care about a player because mm. we, if we, we either keep him for six months, then he goes in January. So you can't even affect the full season. Yeah. So you don't really want him being part of your starting 11 because then you've got to change mid-season. So I, I think he'll be sold. Uh, I think if they get three or if they get five million for him, I think they'll done good business, especially if only six months left. No, I'm going to charma. If I if I if I had my way, and I was playing a team, some fans might disagree with. But I'd rather have the charm playing in sorrow. I think the charms it gives you. I know sort. I do like sorrow, but I think he's a bit of liability in a way. He just runs a heedless chicken sometimes. Um, but again, hands could change. He went a better player. He could structure him, discipline. I agree with you, I think Cham's a big option to have, um, especially with Brown Noble being there. Somebody mm. who's experienced and been, played in Europe and been here and done it and won trophies. So it's not a loss, in my opinion, um, that he's back. Christy, I'm similar to you. If the guys know what to be here, let him go. Um, six months left. His option, no, had any inkling I want to stay. So I would be the same as you. Um, but obviously, the, the game conducted the Mitchellan game. I think some fans don't realise how big a game it is. Um, I think some fans as well, but what I've seen, or can I just go and act, we'll just win the game. And it doesn't matter who you're playing in these games. These games are stuffy. We would be seen it last year when it was Sarajevo and some, can't be the other team, Sarajevo and somebody else. And we should have won the game 5 6 nothing. We only won the game 1 2 nothing, And it was sticky. It was the last minute goal for Alanousi. It was sticky games. And these teams are hard to beat. And let's be honest, they've played against Liverpool, Atlanta. They've had a good spell in Europe. So they're name mugs. But the, uh, 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 well, I've described this this tie as our most important European tie this season because when this tie, you're guaranteed Europa League football, which mm. for me is that 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 that's the aim for Europe this season. I think Champions and, League. Keep me fair, that's probably a level, but we, we, we mm. want to try and get better. Yeah, but Mitchelland, uh, I was I've talked to my friend. I think it's see see quality, uh, maybe not quality wise, but see in terms of where the teams are at. I'd say the t- the tie may be closer to a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked in uh, other podcasts about how I thought they were. T- Definitely the team to avoid. They are the best team out of the three teams there by some distance. Galatasaray, financially, and all, all over the place, um, had a good end to the season, but a lot of the players were on loan. Um, I think it was Rapid Vienna as well. Austrian, mm. they're not as high quality. and that, it's Under Salzburg, the quality level drops quite a bit. Uh, but Michelin last season, maybe uh, Bronby had a great season and won the league last year, but they also had a future superstar in their team was Jesper Lindstrom, who went, who's just transferred to Frankfurt for eight million. Yeah. So they had him driving their title charge. Michelin got results against Atlanta and Liverpool last season. They knocked Slavia Praha, who beat Rangers comfortably over two legs, four 0 and these were one-off ties. Remember, they put young boys of Bern out three 0 Young boys of Bern would go out and not go on to knock out Bayer Leverkusen. So the, this team are no mugs. They also knocked, even in the first round, they didn't even get, they got Ludigrets who qualified for Champions League were, and they knocked them out as well. So they knocked three teams out that we probably would have lost to last season probably. and then went and then went on to have a very good Champions League campaign. So I, I, I was a bit, a bit uh, bewildered to see Celtic fans pretty chuffed to get them. I was I was pretty devastated <laughs> in comparison. They're, they're a very good side. They're a very modern side. Uh, I, I actually identified that Sviatchenko was their, the biggest weakness in their team. Mm-hmm. I think their centre backs, they've got a soft. They they can see goals quite a bit, and they've got a soft back line. But they're very well drilled. They're very they're a very modern club, um, high, uh, very analytics driven. And I think people maybe remember them playing Rangers and getting gubbed a few years ago. Yeah. But that, that's a few years ago. And um, teams change, teams get better, and it's pretty clear from last season they got way better and they exponentially grew in ability level. 
So I, I, I'm a bit concerned with the game. I'm a bit concerned that the fan reaction if the game doesn't go the way people maybe expect yeah. it to, especially, and then maybe levying the blame on Ange, who's only been here a month, had no transfers in to speak of. And I don't know, he's really being dealt a very bad hand if things do go south. Obviously, we could go into this game, things go our way, and we yeah. win the game comfortably. But I'm not ruling out. The, um, I think it's still a very strong possibility. Mitchell and turn us over with the with the way we are. I'm like you. Um, I hope the fans don't go on the guys back because, as I've says, I, I says it to my my dad or day that for as soon as he's come in, there's been nice in his back for the media, for fans, for opposite fans, and people other pundits for down south and everywhere else. The guys don't really had time to. Obviously, Celtic don't get time to settle, but he's not had time to actually sit down and do what he's doing because he's getting interviews here and there, pundits are getting on this and that. So they're kind of setting him up to fail. They want him to fail. And I think this is when his character might come up as a man and say, well, I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to make my team what I want to do my team and I'll make it successful. And I think he's, he's, he did say that one of his interviews that every team I've kept me, they've been successful. So he's basically saying, fuck you, and I'll. I'll mm-hmm. make I'll be I'll make a success and I like the way he is with the media. No bullshit. He just tells him straight and I don't know if the media up here will be able to cope with that because I know when he went can be a bit chippy with him sometimes and Gerard can be a bit chippy, but some of them answer silly questions. I don't think he'll answer silly questions. No, I think he's very abrupt with the media. I think I think he's had a lot of experience with the media, even bad experiences, which even cost him his job in, in Australia a, a long time ago. So this is a guy that will have learned his lessons of the past. He'll know how to, he knows how to deal with a very disruptive media presence. I think he'll grown a lot over the years and how, how to deal with these. I think it was kind of lost probably on us, like the Japanese media, very, very different, quite different to us, but also very difficult to deal with. Um, don't let a lot out. Um, very difficult. Uh, in press conferences as well so I think he's going to be more than uh, ready I think a lot of people are like oh he's going to crumble the media I'm like no one's going to no one with that amount of experience is going to crumble the media uh, not anymore anyway guy's got 25 years in the game now uh, I think a, a lot of people were I think it was um, one of the questions was uh, taking a step down to come into Scotland and he shut him up almost immediately and you're not going to see questions like that again because uh, people no. won't want to be made to look like a fool on TV and plus, it's in the day we all know that we just like up here. It's just for stories and headlines, and they'll try and get mm. you a, a clickbait story to get their clicks online and their, their, their papers. But for me, I think the guy will do well. I just hope the flight like he says, I don't hope fans don't criticise him and Mackay too much because they're all in the door and it's not their mess. They're trying to clear up it's the board's mess and the Lennon's mess. And obviously, you've got Ken and Strang and that as well. But they've had a hard day because I think we've spoken about them too much already in future mm. uh, past podcasts. But um, Ross, I really appreciate your time, mate. It's been good to listen to what you do and a good chat about Celtic. And hopefully, get a good result tonight against Bristol and then on to Mitchelland. And hopefully, we'll start the season well. But again, Ross, take care, mate. And thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.